Well, if you have your Bibles, join me in Luke chapter 14. And today we look at the parable of the great banquet, the great banquet. So how many of you uh, like to go to large gatherings and eat big meals with friends and family? Can you amen that? Yeah, sure. Well, what you've seen in the Gospel of Luke uh, as we've traveled from, say, 12 through 14 is you have seen Luke give us a, a very good look inside Jesus' engagement with the Pharisees. Now, you know who the Pharisees were? The Pharisees were a ruling class uh, in Judaism. Uh, you know, probably just the average, everyday, ordinary life. The closest thing to contemporary society would be, would be Baptists, probably Baptist ministers, honestly, because they were the, the people that dealt with the day-to-day issues with the Jewish people. And they were also linked uh, to the temple through the Sadducees and through the other, the other groups of Jewish leadership. And so when you come to the New Testament, we see these Pharisees being the primary ones giving Jesus a hard time. Would you amen that when you read the scripture? I mean, that's just what we see. Now, Jesus loves the Pharisees. Make no mistake about it. He loves them, and he wants them to know who he is. And the basic idea you need to have in your mind about the Pharisees and about the ruling class of the Jews is that of all the people on earth that were alive at the time when Jesus came, they should have been the ones that recognized him as the Messiah, right? And why would that be? Because they had trained, most of these these ruling class Jews had been trained since they were young boys in Torah and in the law and the scriptures. And so when the promised Messiah from the Old Testament when the, when the eternal David came, they should have been the first ones to recognize him. But in fact, by and large, what did they do? They rejected him. Um, this meal, the way you see these Pharisees inviting Jesus to eat with them is very interesting to me the more I study this, this, our, the word of God, this gospel. And you go back and forth between thinking these are traps where they're trying to catch him and saying something wrong or they're trying to, you know, get something on him somehow, some way. But there's another school of thought out there in scholarship that says that they really were trying to understand who he was. I think the majority of them were trying to trap him because Jesus threatened their control, and that's been pretty much the traditional understanding of them from the beginning. But what Jesus does today at this this meal with these Pharisees is very interesting, and it's, it's it's a much broader appeal to help them understand what is going on with his, with his coming. And he does it in the metaphor of, of, a, of a banquet feast and those that have been invited to a banquet feast. Now, if you remember, the last time we got together, <clears throat> we looked at the, um, the healing of the Sabbath, and then we looked at the, um, at the excuse me, Colton preached on the, on the healing of the Sabbath, and then the last, the, when I preached last time, we looked at the... Pharisees trying to jockey for the best place in the seating arrangement. This is getting through to us, and all of this is, as, as he began the leaven of the Pharisee trajectory in 12 and 13 and brought it all the way through, <clears throat> is that your actions and what you strive for in life is going to indicate and going to expose who you are in your heart. And that's, there's no escape from that. As he said, what is in the heart comes out the what? The mouth. And so after this healing of this man that had dropsy, instead of celebrating that moment, it seems to move very quickly into the meal and all of these Pharisees trying to jockey for the place of highest honor, which would have been to the right or to the left of the man who owned the home. And Jesus was very clear about what he said. He said that 
Don't, don't pursue the highest place of honor. Don't, don't push yourself with selfish ambition to put yourself in a place of honor because there may be somebody that is more distinguished than you, which most likely there always is, amen. There may be someone more distinguished than you that comes. Maybe they're late, maybe they got hung up, whatever. But when they come, the host will come and ask you to give up your seat for this more distinguished person. And the lesson that he gives them in that is, is to be prideful and to exalt yourself is going to end up with you what? Falling. Falling. But if you are humble, if you humble yourself and you take a low position, you provide opportunity to be what? Exalted. So that's where we were last time. And now he goes from there into a teaching on how to invite people to your banquet. So let's join together in verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Well, that right there makes us go, what? <clears throat> Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come now for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go, I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have, a, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now remember, he is telling this, this parable while he is at a meal surrounded by Jewish leadership. There would, there, would, there would be no mistaking that they understood that he was speaking directly to them about the coming kingdom. There would be no mistake in that. So Jesus uses this banquet at this Pharisee's house to speak spiritually about another event that his coming has initiated. And his coming has initiated the final marriage supper of the Lamb that will not happen on this earth. That will happen where? In heaven. And he makes a strong effort to help them see how far off course they have gotten in their motivations for what they think the kingdom is. And it would behoove us to listen very carefully because many times we get way off course from what the kingdom really is. Way off course. There are two very clear passages that support this coming heavenly banquet that Christ came to collect the attendance. Number one, our Sunday school teachers this morning, David Fleming and Bruce Fout, <clears throat> unbeknownst to me because I, I just did not have time to read up on the Sunday school literature this Sunday, spoke directly about this in Sunday school, directly about this, the Lord's Supper. In 
Mark, excuse me, Matthew 26, 20, verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29, listen very carefully. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's at the consummation of the age. There's another passage that's really interesting too. The final marriage supper of the Lamb that happens at the very end after his second coming and near the final judgment in Revelation 19, verses six through 10. Then I heard what seemed to be like the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. They would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus continues in his instruction to the Pharisees, these well-known elite Jewish men that surrounded him at the meal that afternoon. It seems that he says this in his next breath after he watched them scamper around trying to find the, the best seat in the house. I mean, you can just see Jesus shaking his head, can't you? Just shaking his head as he sees these men running around trying to get the best seat in the house, which, was, which the best seat in the house was where? Next to Jesus, not, not him. So Christ's instruction was simple and deeply convicting. Don't be selfishly ambitious trying to advance yourself through table seating. This could work out very bad for you. Chances are you are not as important as you think you are. And when someone more important than you comes to the banquet, you may be asked to give up your seat. And it would be quite embarrassing. And if you're willing to scheme for something as trivial as the highest seat, how far would you go to get what you really want? is where Jesus is going there. So the next bit of spiritual advice he gives is to the Pharisee who had invited him to his home for this meal, which most scholars believe it's somewhere in the mid to late afternoon meal. But this time he goes a bit deeper to point out how his true followers would organize a banquet. And in this instruction, as it always is, Jesus completely reverses what would be understood as the norm just like he reverses us when he saves us, amen? Did the great reversal come to you when you were saved? It certainly came to me. So he gives this reversal and that most of the Pharisees in the room would understand to be the right way to make a guest list and I think most of us would admit today it will blow our mind as well what he says. But do not forget that Christ is drawing a parable, a comparison don't forget this, the banquet of the kingdom of God in heaven and how that should look on earth, it's not what you think it would be. It's radically different. So let's look at these first couple of verses, 12 and 13. I mean, Jesus just kind of just throws it out there, just boom. I mean, this is one of those statements that just, I mean, because the man that had this party did not do this. He did not do what Jesus is about to say. When you give a dinner or a banquet, which this man is giving a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. <laughs> well, that just shatters everything we know about culture today, does it not? Shatters everything. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. So, so Jesus, right out of the chute at this teaching, is, is hitting socioeconomic norms in the chin. In the chin. And he says, this is how the kingdom of God will look. Don't invite people that can return good for good. Where's the reward in that? You know, Angie and I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta. And we grew up there for... The majority of our life until we moved and, and I don't remember a, a banquet or a party where this advice was followed. 
Not one. Not one. The sole reason for parties, and this is exactly what Jesus is, is pushing against with these Pharisees. The sole reason for parties, banquets, or gatherings was to reward those who had been good to you or to build a deeper relationship with those you thought might be good to you. Your doctor, your lawyer, your business partner, someone you want to do business with, or your accountant, maybe a police officer friend, maybe a government official that could be beneficial to your life, your neighbor. The sole purpose, as I remember, was that you invited people to the party or the banquet who had invited you or you thought would invite you if you invited them. But oh, does Jesus give us a different look at this. And it is unsettling, and it is strange, and it goes against everything most of us have been taught our entire lives. But that's the whole point of the parable, is it not? Jesus is trying to give us heaven's view, not our understanding, but God's view of how it is supposed to be. Here, Christ gives an entirely different picture, and he gives it based on the reality of the coming kingdom. Those that assume they're going to be left out and th are, are those that you hardly give a thought to are those that are actually going to be in. It's the whole point he's making. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled. I mean, I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that room when Jesus starts saying this. I bet you those Pharisees were looking at each other with bewildered faces like this man has lost his mind. They had to be when Jesus starts saying this. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I mean, how radical is that, brothers and sisters? So, Jesus, you mean to tell me that in everything that we do, even, even the way that we have parties and invite guests to our parties in this life, we should have an eternal perspective on that? That is exactly what Jesus is saying. Exactly. An eternal perspective in everything. That is why stuff stays so contentious in, 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 our, in our midst today, in our surroundings today. Is that we are too focused on the world and not focused enough on eternity and God. That's the problem. But when you have a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So when you lay out a great spread, Jesus says, this great spread, invite the poor. Invite the, the little ones of society, the, the nameless ones of society that you spend very little time with, that most likely you avoid in the highways and the byways. Invite them, he says. This is where the blessing is found. These folks, there is no benefit for you to help them. In fact, you will come out on the losing end helping them materialistically speaking. There's nothing for you to gain in this life by helping them. This is eternal perspective, Jesus says. There is no capitalism to be found in putting out your best, putting out your best for these categories of people. A poor person cannot pay you and has no influence to pad your pocket. In fact, they probably come with a load of problems that are most likely beyond your ability to fix. The crippled, the lame, and the blind, they can't hardly get around on their own, can do very little for you. In fact, they will need your help personally every second that they are here. But these little ones, they are the ones that will reap reward for you in heaven by inviting them to your banquet. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Assuming that you are the just. They have been given to you so that you understand brokenness. And your response to them will show your heart for the kingdom of God. It will. 
So we have this interruption now after Jesus teaches this teaching. We have this interruption. Verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So in other words, well, Jesus, I mean, one of two things here. Either, either he's trying to butter Jesus up and kind of acquiesce and somewhat agree with Jesus, or he's trying to say, well, wait a minute, we're going to be there too. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the, the lame and the sick and the blind, yeah, the, but, but, but we, we, the righteous, we are going to be there. We're going to be there too. I could see that very easily. I could see some righteous person out in the crowd getting their toes stepped on and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, whoa, whoa, Jesus. Blessed is he who eats bread in the, yeah, all that eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. We're in there, Jesus. But when that interruption comes, Jesus told a parable to take the dagger and just kind of stab it in just a little bit more deeply. That's, I love that about Jesus. I love that about Jesus. He is not afraid to tear off the scab. Amen? We need people like that in our life. We need people like that in our life that are not afraid to take the sword of the Word of God and just slowly stab it deeply into our hearts so we realize that there might be some adjusting we need to do in our own life. Because if it doesn't come from him, it doesn't come from the Word, where does it come from? That's where I want it from. I want it from God and from His people and from the Word of God. If you're going to bring me correction, book, chapter, verse. Amen? Correction, book, chapter, verse. If not, keep, just keep your mouth shut. I won't hear it. Don't give me your opinion, give me God's word, period. So, the parable of the great banquet, verse 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And the time came for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who'd been invited, come for everything now is ready. Now, most of us know how large gatherings work. Weddings, rehearsal dinners, large meals for specific events, the amount of time and preparation it takes. Is it maddening or is it maddening? Can I get a witness? I wondered if my wife and I were gonna survive getting the invitations done and getting the reception planned. I mean, I mean that, that's, how, that's how difficult it was. I mean, how many invitations are we gonna send? Who's gonna get invited? Uh, you know, what are we gonna do? How, what, what, where is the food gonna be set out? All that kind of stuff. There is a ton of planning that goes into this stuff. So in this case, a great banquet that he is discussing is the final marriage supper of the Lamb. And the prophets had been announcing the banquet from the very beginning. Isaiah 25, verses six through nine, is one of the best ones that, that speaks about this. There's several, but I just gave you this one because it's so clear. <clears throat> On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. Well and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He swallows up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in this salvation. This is the banquet. This is the time. This is when Jesus comes and the consummation of the age happens that is ushered in by the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is telling them, the Messiah that was prophesied from the Old Testament and this banquet you have heard about all of your life for, for centuries the Jews have heard about, I am here to usher in this banquet. And it's going to be different than you ever dreamed possible. It's going to be nothing like what you have now. Nothing like what you have now. So the invitation has been sent out, and everyone that has received the invitation has RSVP'd and said what? We'll come and we'll be there. It's on the calendar. The servant goes out and informs the invited guests that the time has come, the food is ready, the banquet is about to begin. So again, the interpretation of this, where, where are we? Let me get my mind around this, preacher. Okay, I'm gonna try one more time because it's hard for me too. 
what the old prophets spoke of for centuries, what the people of God had been hoping and waiting for is finally here in Jesus Christ. The meal is ready. Come to the banquet to eat. Jesus would even call himself, call himself flesh and blood, to eat his flesh and blood. In John chapter six, he would say, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What is he, is he speaking literally? No, he's speaking figuratively. How do you feed on Jesus? How do you feed on him? just like we are right now. Do you realize this is a banquet that we're having right now? This is a banquet we are having right now as we all come together and we feed on Jesus, we feed on the word of God. We are eating, we are eating a banquet. We are feasting on Christ at this very moment. We are feasting on him. Verse 18, all right, Baptists, are you ready? <clears throat> Are you ready? You know where this is going, amen? Do y'all know where this is going? If you got any sense at all, you know exactly where this is going, right? Okay. But they all alike began to make what? Oh, oh. You know, you know, you know, the, you know the, I often say this to police officers that I know. I say, you know, I think the only other people that are lied to on earth as much as you guys are Baptist ministers. And they start laughing. What do you mean by that? Because you know how many times I've heard, I'll see you Sunday, preacher, and I don't ever see them, ever. I do believe that. I think Baptist ministers are lied to second only to cops. Because, I mean, who wants to go to jail, Amen. You don't lie to them. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have, a mar I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. <laughs> wow. You ever had a party and half your guests canceled at the last second didn't come? That's probably one of the most offensive things that, that you could ever do to somebody is, is RSVP to a huge banquet and then at the last second, Baptist, have a better deal come up, right? A better deal comes up, so you say no to that one to go to that one. We should never do that, Christians. You keep your commitments. Be a man and woman of Christian character and you keep your commitments. That's one thing that we can see right out of the shoot on this. So let's, let's look at these excuses. Now, now you, know, it, you know what an excuse is, right? An excuse is just a really nice way to let somebody down, right? Because I mean, if you've got a party that you're going to and they call you and say, hey, uh, we've, got the, we've got you on the guest list, Are you, coming? you don't just say no, right? I mean, how rude is that? No, we're not coming. You have, to, you have to give them a reason. You have to let them down easy to let them know why you're not coming, right? And then hopefully it'll make sense. Oh, yeah, I understand. No, no, no problem. But deep inside you're going, wow, they're, they're not coming. Okay, well, this is, this is a bummer. This is a bummer. I bought a field. And what? I must go out and what? See it. Now, do you see all kind of problems with this already? I mean, I see all kind of problems with this already. So you mean to tell me that you bought a piece of land without going to look at it first? So now all of a sudden you're telling me that, uh, that I've, I've bought some land and I've got to go see it. Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that you are, that you are so rich and that you've got so much money that you can just flippantly buy a piece of land without even thinking about it, and then in hindsight, go out there and look at it. And if that's true, if you've got that much money that you can do that, you can wait a couple of days, amen? You can wait a couple of days. You can come to the banquet and just wait a couple of days, the banquet that you RSVP'd for. And this is not just any banquet, is it? This is not just any banquet. This is God's banquet. This is the master's banquet. 
So I bought a field. I must go out and see it. And there's all kind of problems there. I mean, you could, you could, we could spend 10 minutes talking about so, so you RSVP'd to this, to this banquet a good while ago, and you're telling me you just bought this land yesterday, and now you got to go see it. Okay, I, I, I think that sounds like a lie. That's what I think. But it's a terrible excuse to miss the banquet. I don't care if there's oil on the land, amen? I mean, that, that's a terrible excuse to miss the banquet. It's the desire to have more earthly possessions has interrupted the opportunity to attend the master's banquet. So land, what's the next guy say? Next person says, I have bought what? Five yoke of oxen. Now, now that, that's, that's I don't, I, I'm not a farmer. I don't understand a lot of, a lot of those types of things. Uh, our family was in the towboat business, so I'd understand shipments of barges of grain up and down the, you know, up and down the river, but I don't really understand farming, so I, ha I had to research this a little bit, and, and five yoke of oxen in this time, in Jesus' time, that, that's huge. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's most likely about, about 10 oxen. 10. That's, that's five, and then, and then two yoked together, that's most likely 10. So, so again, I see all kind of problems here. So you mean to tell me that a Jewish farmer, a Jewish farmer is going to, to purchase 10 oxen without going and looking at them first and testing them out a little bit first? You're just going to buy them without knowing. Is one of them, you know, one of them walking like this, or, or are they blind? Can they see? I mean, I mean, so, so, so you just bought them without testing them out. And so now, on the day of the banquet, you're going to go check out these ten oxen. Worldly excuse. Worldly excuse. We could ask the same questions that we ask about the land. And then finally, the third excuse. Now this one, you know, th this one may have a little merit, amen? May have a little merit. I have married a wife and therefore I can't come. Oh, well now we understand. You married her and she told you you couldn't go, amen? That's what happened. She put her foot down and said, you ain't going to this banquet. Maybe, maybe so. But again, all kind of issues here. I mean, that was... That was kind of a quick marriage, right? I mean, I mean, I invited you to the banquet just a few days ago, and now suddenly you're married, and you're going to spend time with your wife? I mean, that's, that's a, little, a little strange. And I mean, not only that, but did the thought even cross your mind that you could what? Bring her? Yes! Bring her! No, no, I'm married, and I'm... I can't come. He didn't really even ask to be excused. He said, I have a married I have, I've married a wife, and therefore, I can't come. Worldly excuses, okay? Worldly excuses turn the guests away from their commitment to go to the banquet, to turn down the invitation to go to the banquet. Worldly matters. That's what all of these are. Worldly matters. Now, how would this look today in our contemporary culture? We basically have a banquet here, and this is where y'all go, oh boy, oh boy, here we go. We basically have a banquet here every Sunday and Wednesday. Listen to how quiet y'all got out there. Are you not fed by the Lord Jesus each week here? There's not a banquet going on here every week? Yeah, there's a banquet going on here. We would call this in today's culture a better deal is what we would call this, right? A better deal. Do I take the invitation to go be with Jesus, to go to the banquet, or do I do something else that I deem, because basically what you're telling, what they're telling, what they're telling the master is, is I've got what? More important things to do than come to the banquet. That's what, that's what they're telling them. So there's always something getting in the way of your commitment to the Lord. Always, always something in the way to the commitment to the Lord. Well, I have tickets to a concert the night before, so I won't be able to make it. Well, I have tickets to see the Dallas Cowboys play in Nashville, so I won't be there. 
I love the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. That would be a huge temptation for me. Well, I have an opportunity to go on a camping trip to a place I've never been, so I won't be there. This, this one's going to hurt. Well, I got to go on a cruise, amen. Now, just for those that I know go on cruises in this church, I'll put the next one in there for you, okay? Here's the next one. Well, I have a vintage Jeep I have to work on this weekend, and I'm really close. I'm really close to getting it running. I've got some parts coming in. They'll be here Saturday night. I'm going to be working on it all Saturday night, and I'm going to take it for the test drive on Sunday morning. And it just so happens to be right at the same time the banquet's happening, so I don't think I'm going to be able to be there. We all struggle with this, me included, okay? Thanks, Walter. Well, I can't come. I'm just going to sleep in this Sunday. Can I get a witness? Amen. So, worldly excuses. Worldly excuses turn the guests away. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master and then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind. And like, well, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Bring all them in. So the servant reports to the master and guess what the master does? He changes the guest list. He changes the guest list. So put yourself in the master's shoes. You have put all this time and energy and resources into this wonderful banquet, had RSVPs from all the guests prepared, all the food. You have all the servants ready to take care of the guests as they arrive. Then your servant comes back to you with reports that none of the guests that said they were coming are coming. One has to inspect a field. Can't you just feel the master's blood pressure escalating when he hears these excuses? Just imagine being the master and hearing these flimsy, weak, pitiful excuses to avoid his banquet. One has to inspect a field, one has to try out his oxen, and one has gotten married. That's why they can't come, my Lord. So as the servant watches the master's face go downcast, he prepares for the inevitable, right? And what would, what, would you, what would you tend to think if you went and gave your master all this, all this information that all these guests that you've invited have said no? Well, Lord, do we need to start what? Cleaning up? Do we need to start packing up? Is the, is the banquet canceled? Are we not gonna have the banquet? I mean, I mean, tell me, what do we do with all these food and supplies? And the master looks intently at the servant and he's angry. And justifiably so, amen? Justifiably so. He's angry. He says, go out to the streets. Just go out there in the lanes. Just go out there, out there somewhere, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go and get those that are forgotten by the world and bring them to the banquet. Bring the least, and they will come and come gladly. So the master just changes the guest list and says, open up the doors, open up the gates, and invite those that will come to my banquet. Verse 22, and the servant said, so he does that, he does that, and the servant said, sir, what, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. Wow, so, so he's gone out and got all those to come in, and now this great huge banquet hall, there's still room in there, so he goes back and tells the master, there's still room, still room. The master says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Now, this is interesting, very interesting, this last, this last phase of guests. It's interesting for two reasons. Number one, he gives you the vocabulary that, that he has gone behind, my eyes, I gotta have my glasses, that he has gone behind the streets and the lanes of the city. So that was in the city. So the implication here is that they, have, they were in the city and now they've gone where? Outside the city. So when you go outside the city of Jerusalem, what land is that? Gentile land. Gentile land. Men and women and families that are outside the covenant of God, outside the initial invitation that was brought because salvation is from the Jews. 
And he says, not only that, he says, go to the highways and the hedges and compel people. Compel them to come in. That's, a, that's kind of a strong word. Why would you have to compel them? Because they don't believe it's true. You're going out and saying, my master has had this incredible banquet. The original guest would not come. We still have room. We want you to come. Please come to the master's banquet. And I mean, they're sitting there going, I don't know this guy. I don't know this master. I have no idea why this guy's being so nice to me. I mean, if it was me 25, 30 years ago, my first question would be, is this an Amway meeting you're talking about? Because that's the only time strangers came up and invited me to go anywhere where there was free food was an Amway meeting. How many of y'all got suckered into that? A few. You walk in all these empty auditorium chairs. I tell you, the second I'd walk in there, I'm like, this is an Amway meeting. I, I can't believe it, you know. But you know me, man, trying to make that quick buck, you know. And they make it sound so good. But they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it, so they had to be compelled, just like the poor and the blind and the lame had to probably be taken by the hand and showed the way to the master's home. The Gentiles that were invited in had to be compelled. You can come. It's okay. Our master wants you there. Please come. And so they came. They came, and they filled the hall. And then at the very end, verse 24, for I tell you, None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And that fell right, right in the Pharisee's lap. So Jesus just tells this parable, and he is speaking directly to the Pharisees metaphorically about the final marriage supper of the Lamb and telling them they are rejecting it and God is going to leave them in the dust and go bring another people group into the kingdom of God. And that is exactly what happens. So how is this pertinent for us today as a Gentile church? How do we apply this to us? It's real simple. Quit putting God second on your list, Amen. Quit putting him second. Quit kicking the things of God off your list at the first sign of a better deal. And don't, don't, don't insult my intelligence and tell me that we don't do it, because I do it. I've done it, you've done it, we all do it. For, for things much lower in priority than, than oxen or a land investment or anything like that. Sometimes it's just to sit in bed on Sunday morning and watch Netflix. Or sometimes it's because we don't plan our day right on Sunday. We don't plan our weekend, so we are out to the wee hours of the night on Saturday night knowing there ain't no way we're getting up to make it to Sunday school 9 o'clock the next morning because we're out till 1230 the night before. Make the banquet a priority. And, and I do not believe that I am out of bounds when I make this application. Every time we come together in this church as the church of Jesus Christ, this is a banquet. The Lord's Supper is a banquet. We are coming together as his people called by him to gather together to open our Bibles and feast on him like John chapter six says, and we do that in preparation for the real feast that's coming at the end. And in our American society, there are so many distractions, and they're not all bad. Some of them are good distractions, man. Some of them are great distractions. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with hunting. There's nothing wrong with half the stuff we talked about. But when it begins to knock you off your pattern of being at the banquet with God, you got a problem, period. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. No excuses. Everyone is invited. The rejection is on the part of those that have decided there are more important things to do. Let me say this one more time, and I'm gonna quit. The most important thing in your life 
the most important thing in your life is your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Period. One of these days, your life is going to end. I know you don't believe it, but it is. Sometimes I have a hard time believing it, and then God, you know, gives me an injury, and then I'm, oh yeah, one of these days I'm going to die. And when you die, you go before him. Him. And when your life and your works are burned away, you don't want them to be wood, stubble, hay, and straw. You want them to be precious metals and gems and stones. You want them to be everlasting reward for your king who went to the cross and died for you so that you may have life and have it abundantly. And all we want to do is just, I, I, I just have this time because I deserve it. I'm having this trip because I deserve it. I'm going to do this because I deserve it. No, you don't. You deserve death and hell. That's what you deserve. But you're not getting that because there was one who went to the cross in your place. And he wants you at the banquet. Are you going to the banquet? Will you reject it? to go take care of the oxen? Will you reject it to go look at the land? Or any other thing that gets in your way, will you reject the banquet because of X, Y, Z? Commit your life to him. Commit your life to the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean you're a religious fanatic. It means you're a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it means. And that's what we're supposed to be. Well, you know, Shelby, he kind of went crazy, found Jesus, and became a religious lunatic, you know. So? I'm going to heaven, man. Where are you going? You know? I mean, seriously. Don't worry about what other people say about you. Don't worry about that. You need to worry about what Jesus says about you, amen? That's who you need to worry about who says something about you is Jesus, not anybody else. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love for us, for your grace for us. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve. Lord, I think about this parable and I think about the Pharisees listening to him speak to them and I just wonder, I just wonder what they felt. Did they feel conviction? Did they, did they embrace the conviction? Did they get angry? Did they run from it? And that's the thing that, that that I think I know that I deal with and others deal with the most is that when the conviction comes, when the conviction comes, we, we, we blame it on other things to run from it. It's just whatever we can come up with to, to, to belittle the word of God, to make it sound like it's the word's fault or the preacher's fault and not our fault for not listening and applying and believing and submitting our lives to your word. We run. We have itching ears. We run somewhere else to find, to find some, some preacher somewhere that, that makes life easy instead of confronting us with the Word of God every Sunday and every Wednesday. Like, like you did, Jesus. Like every, like every opportunity you had with every circle of friends that you went to, Lord, you preached that. And so, Father, I pray today as we end this that we go to the banquet, that we not reject you as Messiah that we accept the invitation, and that we come to the banquet, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for a brief time of response? There is a fountain filled with blood. Let's sing this together. Go ahead.
dying thief rejoice to see the dying thief rejoice to see come as uh, Carl gets ready to pray our offertory prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to, to be at your banquet. And Lord, we just want to take this time to reflect on everything that you give us. It all belongs to you, God. And now it's an opportunity for us to give back, to take what you've given us and to use it according to your will. And we just ask that you would bless each gift and each giver, Lord. And we ask this in your precious son's name. Amen.
Let's applaud. I like that. All right, we've got some announcements here. Uh, by the way, my name is Carl Blair, and uh, I just want to re-welcome everybody that came today. Thank you for being here. And uh, just want to remind you, this is a great family here at Parkway. And if you're looking for a home and a family, we've got it here for you. So please join us as often as you can. Uh, I want to just remember, obviously, we still have the situation going on over in Israel. And we want to remember that. We want to keep that in our prayers to make sure that we're thinking of those families that are affected, both the Israeli families. And I know when you say Hamas, people think, well, that's the evil ones. Well, there probably are evil there, is evil there. But they're not all evil. And there's children and there's uh, mothers and daughters and families that are being destroyed there as well. So we just need to pray for that whole situation. The good news is we know how it all turns out. So just keep that in mind. I uh, want to remind you, you saw it up on the screen, Fall Festival tonight beginning at 5 o'clock. Uh, we got bounce houses. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, I once was a bounce house, uh, but that's a different story. Uh, face painting uh, and the chili cook-off. So there you go. Don't eat this afternoon. Come back tonight. You can get your fill. And hay rides. $100 per hay ride? Okay. All right. Uh, also remind you, the folks that have been participating in our outreach ministry, the Follow Me ministry, they'll be here tonight helping out here. So that will not meet this Sunday, but we'll resume next Sunday. Okay. Uh, got a couple of things I want to update. Oh, I needed to mention this just in case anybody think I was trying to do something. This is not a crimson sweater, okay? So this is red. I won't mention what happened last night, yesterday afternoon. So just put that out of your mind. I, uh, I, I thought I needed to make that clear. I didn't want to offend anybody. <laughs> okay, uh, Miss Kathy, you're going to give us an update on the Operation uh, Christmas Child. Well, I'm back, and I wanted to share about our packing party yesterday. It was a, a wonderful time, and the, we saw the Lord. I just want to give him the praise and the glory. Um, we saw some ups and downs, but we were all there to support each other. We had, at one time had 52 boxes packed, and our tables looked pretty bare, and we were just like, what's going to happen? How are we going to work this out. We had lots of uh, the wild gifts, like I told you we had. We just didn't have all the filler items that needed to go in those boxes. And I learned a couple of things yesterday. One is it takes a lot more items than you think to fill the shoebox. And two, that I am so thankful to be part of this family of God because they were very supportive. We saw people that just jumped in and saw the need that our tables were bare. There were like three or four groups of women that went out and hit the stores and bought a bunch of stuff and come back in with a bunch of packages. And so we were able to finish the day with packing 131 boxes. It was also a blessing for those of us that got to help the little kids pack a box because they were packing for a little boy or a little girl, and at the end they would say their prayer for that box, where it was going and what God was going to do with it. So that was a blessing as well. So if you all, we have um, five, uh, sorry, 19 boxes out that people want to pack themselves. So if you add that 19 to the 131, that's 151 boxes, or 151. We, our goal is up there, but you can see we our arrow would go up. So we're, God's not done with this yet. We've still got boxes out. We've got boxes available. If anybody wants to take their own box and pack it, uh, that's a possibility too. But we need to pay the shipping, and we haven't got there yet, so that's really why I'm up here, is to remind you that if you haven't had that opportunity, and you can make your check out to Samaritan's Purse, or you can give cash. I'll be at the back... Uh, the 
what do you call that, foyer when uh, to collect it today, and you can bring it next week if you want. But God's still working, and he's, it, I, if we get all the shipping paid for, we'll take the extra money and we'll pack more boxes. And maybe we've only got 49 boxes to get to the 200, so we might get there. I don't know. The good Lord knows. But I appreciate it. I've been blessed, just like Ryan said earlier. Uh, and the pastor said sometime last week that there, God is working in this church, and he's working in a lot of different areas than WOM. So we just stand amazed in his presence. Thank you, Kathy. Amen. Brother Ken, I bet this is about the building, huh? Well, uh, at the last business meeting, you know, we gave you an update on our building out back and uh, where it was at and all was happening. So one of our goals was to get to the stage where we could do the floor signing. That will be next Sunday after, immediately after service. I hope all of you will be here to do so. Uh, many of our committee will uh, be there to uh, explain what you're looking at, supposedly, if you can't figure it out on your own. And uh, now things are still being worked on back there, but for the main part, the building part is finished. Uh, we like having the rock put on the outside and uh, so a little bit more painting and some wiring done still. So there's still a little bit of work to be done there, but we will be able to go in there. It will be clean enough to go in. Uh, pick out your favorite verse because that's what we want you to write on the floor uh, there. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Church will provide markers. Church will provide the markers. And what, isn't this floor the same way? This whole church, the yeah. classrooms, and this whole floor has Just keep it going. Keep it going. Amen. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ken. Just a real quick reminder with Fall Fest, really excited about that. Um, for all of you who are doing a trunk or chili, that kind of stuff, I've sent you emails and everything. But just a reminder, uh, 4 o'clock, we'll have the parking lot open ready for you guys to pull in. We'll have signs designated for your parking spot so that you guys can pull in and go ahead and get your trunks all decorated up. And then around like 4.30 is what we were thinking for getting our chili stuff here. That'll help us get our chili tasting, our, our judges ready to go with the chili tasting, and we can get that going so that way we can all enjoy uh, just doing the, the uh, fall fest and all the bounce houses, right? Isn't that right, Carl? All right, all right. And then we got one more thing. Uh, Bill Lunders is going to Cuba. Uh, am I on? Yeah, I'm on. There, Bill. Um, Bill, you got to hold it up tight, up, up tall. No, up down there. There you go. All right. Um, tell them just briefly, because we're we're, running, we're a little over. Uh, tell them yeah. briefly when you're leaving and when you're coming back and what you're doing. Uh, I leave this Friday. I'll be gone. I'll be in Cuba for nine days. Uh, haven't been there since before COVID. Been there six times before. The persecution is much worse, and the reason I'm asking prayer today is not so much for me. I'm simply the spokesperson for all of you there, because I'm just going to be sharing the gospel Amen. nine days in a row. Much more important is the prayer. I've been blessed to go on a lot of mission trips, and I know one thing. The prayer is the single most important thing. Everyone in Cuba now, you can hardly not share the gospel that people don't accept Christ. It's the verse, you know, uh, the more they afflicted them, the more they prospered and grew. Yeah. And the persecution is worse now than it's ever been. And the gospel is growing faster than it's ever been there. So That's I'll right. give you a report on when it comes back. But it's your prayers is what will move the Holy Spirit's heart in those people there. So don't pray for me much. I can talk. I know that. <laughs> pray for the people of Cuba that their hearts will be ready. Because that's Amen. what I'm excited about. Amen. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Bill and Rena and everything that they do here at Parkway for us. Lord, they have helped so many people in our congregation, and they have been uh, one of the most committed families that we have to reaching out to new families that come in. Lord, they uh, also are very committed to, to missions in general uh, all, all, around, all around the world, really, Lord. Father, we pray right now, we ask that you would to protect Bill in his travel and bring him back to us, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray for those that he will be ministering to in Cuba. 
We pray that you prepare every heart that he will uh, have the opportunity to share the gospel with, and we pray that we would see a great harvest uh, and that we can celebrate this with him when he returns, Lord, and help us be in prayer for him while he's gone. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. And benediction, and you're good. We're good to go. Would you all stand for stand for the benediction? Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for each person here. We know each one of us have needs at different times, and we just pray a blessing upon each family, each individual. Thank you for the service. Thank you for all that we've learned today. Be with us as we go through the rest of this day and give us an opportunity to share the good news tonight uh, as we have families coming that probably haven't been here before. And we thank you for that opportunity. And we ask this in your precious son's name. Amen.